My theme for today grows out of the ironic benediction which we had at the end of Numbers chapter six. Blessed to be a blessing. I was reading in Psalm eight this week. I was, yes, I was reading in Psalm eight this week, a Psalm which speaks of the grandeur of creation and the fact that God has given man dominion over creation and made us in his image. In verse two, I came across these words, out of the mouths of babes and unweaned infants, you have established strength because of your foes that you might silence the enemy and the avenger. It's a puzzling verse, but it seems to state hyperbolically that being made in the powerful image of God empowers even the words of babes and infants. Just as we have a God who spoke and the world came into being, so our words have awesome power. The Bible is adamant about the power of words, teaching us that words have potential to do good or to do harm. That's why we read, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop, but a good word makes uh, it glad. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Words can do good, or they can do harm. This brings us to the subject of blessing and cursing. Let's look at blessing, what it is, how not to do it, and how to do it. First, what is blessing? You bless someone when you invoke God on their behalf to support the good that you will for them. Let's deepen that a little bit because it isn't just a verbal performance. It's a generous outpouring of our whole being into blessing the other person. It's a profoundly personal, spiritual, and powerful act. We are called to be a blessing. We are called even to bless those who curse and mistreat us. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Luke 6.28 just note the parallel. Blessing is a form of praying for others. And if we are called to bless even those who curse and mistreat us, how much more should we bless others, family, friends, and even strangers? Blessing others should be common in our lives, but probably it is not. Let's see if we can change that. But how is that done? 
That's a good question. There are good ways to pronounce a blessing and also ineffective ways to do so. Let's look at the ineffective ways first. Blessing, how not to do it. First is hackneyed prayers. Prayers become hackneyed when they're on automatic pilot. By that I mean that people open their mouths and spout expected, approved, pious slogans. And this is especially irksome when the prayers being said have little, if anything, to do with the current life and condition of the person being prayed for. In other words, the prayer comes across as impersonal. It could apply to just about anyone. Prayers should never, ever be impersonal. In fact, praying for someone is about the most personal thing you could do. Second is museum prayers. These are prayers where we forget we are living in the 21st century. All of a sudden, King James comes through the door and our language and even our tone of voice changes. You begin to sound like your tonsils are made out of stained glass. Also not good. As far as we know, with all due respect, even the angels don't speak in King James English. Now, I love King James English. But blessing prayer is intensely personal and needs to be offered in respectful but conversational language. Third is Hallelujah Harry prayers. These are prayers that are couched in such an otherworldly manner that they do more to underscore the allegedly advanced status of the prayer than anything else. These are prayers of flamboyant religious display. Leave that to the YouTube evangelists. We need prayers that communicate extraordinary things to ordinary people. Next is prayers that are camouflage sermons. These occur when, whenever people go on and on with long theological disquisitions, which are often sermons in disguise or opportunities for the praying person to demonstrate their prowess. I'll illustrate. I pray for you, Brother Green, that all the communicable attributes and uncommunicable attributes of God might be fully manifest in your life, bringing you salvific glory in keeping with the highest aspirations of the reformers from Luther to Calvin and beyond. May you be predestined for good according to the divine decree. I likewise pray for your wife, Cara, whose mother Lois I was pleased to know, a great lover of God and reader of the Bible. May God's glory, yes, even the Shekhinah, shine upon you and Kara and her mother Lois. And I pray for Woofy, your precious dog, because we know that God loves all he has made. And for your children, olive shoots around your table, pillars in the courts of our gracious and omnipotent, omnipresent, all-wise, and loving, holy God. May the Lord bless and keep them too. 
also no good. There is a better way. And praying such better blessing prayers can and should be spiritually intimate and enriching for all concerned. Here are some pointers about how to really bless others as servants of God, how to do it. First, be attentive to place. This is probably not something you want to do while you're online together at Burger King or while you're sitting in a crowded Starbucks. You need a place of some intimacy and privacy. Secondly, do not start immediately. Instead, when you're about to pray, wait for a moment and reach out to God in your heart and mind, asking for wisdom and what to pray. I mean this, pause for a moment and just look to God for wisdom. Third, do not pray on automatic pilot. Instead, seek to pray interactively with the Spirit as best you can, sensing the leading of the Spirit in the words that come to mind, in the metaphors that come to you, and perhaps even the images that come to mind. Next, don't rush. But on the other hand, this is not a prayer meeting. It is a blessing, a kind of a holy farewell until we meet again. As best you can, shape your prayer on the basis of the time you have spent together with this person you're going to pray for and the information shared together prior to the prayer. Pray in a manner informed by the individuality and the condition of the person before you. Let scripture inform your prayer, but do not give a sermon or a Bible study. Scripture should be the salt of your prayer, but too much salt is distasteful. Keep it brief, but substantial. Prayers gain weight, not by their length, but by their depth. You are seeking to bless this person. Make sure your prayer leaves them feeling affirmed, valued, and hopeful. Today's Torah reading includes the Aaronic benediction. You would do well to use it as an outline for your blessing prayers. Here's how that works. May Adonai bless you and keep you. Blessing in the Older Testament has to do with productivity and multiplication. And keeping is guarding from harm. <clears throat> so pray that first line of the benediction and then pray productivity and protection upon your friend in your own words. Secondly, may Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. This is the blessing of intimacy with God where 
God, instead of hiding his face from us, opens his face to us. This means intimacy and favor. Here you would pray for your friend's relationship with God. Third, may Adonai shine his face upon you and give you shalom. Here we pray for wholeness of blessing, for fullness of life. Shalom. The great Jewish Bible teacher, Nechama Leibowitz, underscores the structure of this threefold blessing, saying, the three sections of the priestly benedictions illustrate an ascending order, starting with a blessing concerned with man's material needs, and then dealing with his spiritual wants, and finally reaching a climax in the blessing of peace. So, Pray for your friends' material needs, spiritual needs, and general well-being, using this passage, the ironic benediction, as your stated outline. As you put these suggestions into practice, over time you will discover, as I have, that such times of prayer are meeting places with the divine presence, you'll sense the presence of God, not only for the person you prayed for, but for yourself as well. And let's not forget what we are told in Peter's first letter. Finally, all of you, be one in mind and feeling. Love as brothers and be compassionate and humble-minded, not repaying evil for evil or insult with insult, but on the contrary, with blessing, for it is to this that you have been called so that you may receive a blessing. Let's finish then with an example of the power of blessing in the life of Denzel Washington, a great actor and a great man of God. Just listen to this. Ladies and gentlemen, Julia Roberts. Less is more, I wish someone had told me that. And so it began. Though this is not just a case of humble beginnings and working hard, there are some who have a gift. And then there are those who have a gift who are further propelled by people who believe in them. And such is the case for Denzel Washington. And here is the proof. This is a letter of recommendation. It's written for young Denzel when he was graduating from Fordham University and needed somebody to vouch for his talents. They are words so encouraging, so inspiring that Denzel folded it up and put it in his wallet and carries the original with him to this day. He's probably sitting on it right now. Take a look at this. You can see down there in the corner, it is signed by Robert Stone, Denzel's teacher and actor of great acclaim in his own right. Here are just a few lines. I say without hesitation that Mr. Washington is the finest young actor I have ever known. At age 22, 
He has a potential for being one of the outstanding actors of the latter part of the 20th century. If there is such a thing as genius, then I assure you, Mr. Washington is one, and God only knows where this can take him. Well, Denzel, it has taken you here tonight to the AFI Life Achievement Award, surrounded by your friends and amazing family, having to sit still and listen to heaps and heaps of praise and deserved attention. And I know how comfortable and happy that makes you. <laughs> I met Denzel Washington over half my life ago when we made the Pelican Brief with the late, great Alan Papula. But what I remember so well was meeting Pauletta and all your kids and seeing how you valued your family, your home life above all else. The two of you inspired me then and continue to inspire me to this day. Mr. Stone was certainly right on when he said you are, and I quote, a talent to rank among the greatest of our time. I would only add perhaps the greatest of any time. Congratulations. That teacher shared a blessing with um, with Denzel Washington. Let's see, I, I don't know if you can see me up there. I hope you can. That teacher shared a blessing with him and that letter, it meant so much to Denzel that he keeps it in his pocket. It's now more than 40 years later and he still carries it around with him. That blessing empowered him to go on in life. And so I want to encourage all of us that we are blessed to be a blessing. It's a holy privilege. So I pray that we will all make it a habit of looking for an opportunity to pronounce blessings on people, even upon those who curse us and despitefully use us. How much more upon our friends? Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>